Good morning, you guys. How we doing? <laughs> Good seeing you guys. Good seeing you guys. New faces, old faces, returning faces. This is Ohana service. Just like Lena was saying, um, this is our big service where all of our house churches get together at the end of every month and we celebrate. And we got people that uh, go to different Christian orgs here on campus, different places, and uh, just all we kind of convene at this time to connect and yeah, praise God. This is great. I love it. It's Ohana. It's family. Well, we want to welcome any first-time guests. If you're here, uh, praise God. We're so thankful that you're here. God loves you. We love you. We're excited for what God has in store for you this semester. And uh, we're happy uh, to connect with you afterwards. We would love to get to know you. We're actually having lunch today, some canes. Such a good time. We do break it out like a Southern family style to a degree with some chicken. And... Um, yeah, we're going to have a great time, so we want to invite you to stay afterwards. If you're a first-time guest, we also have a gift for you over at the Connect table. We'd love to give that to you, and uh, it'd be great. And so, yeah, welcome. I also want to welcome back all of our Ohana, all of our church family. It's so good to see everybody. Yes, God is good. He's moving. And I'm excited expecting what God is doing here in H2O at Wright State University. And this morning, we're going to lean in close. We're doing things a little bit different, so you're here on the right Sunday, because I love doing things, I love changing things up, and uh, getting really uncomfortable. Hallelujah, this is uncomfortable for me. So let's do this. Uh, man, pray, pray with me, hallelujah. God, we thank you so much for all of our first-time guests. We thank you for our church family. We're so thankful to be a church that has the opportunity to gather here on a public university today to worship you, to be encouraged and strengthened together as one in and with you. God, we ask that you would pour out your love on us, that you would guide us with your truth, that you would empower us. Holy Spirit, we ask that for H2O, but also AIA and IFI and crew and Chi Alpha and Christians on campus, Rock Campus Fellowship, CMC Ratio Christine, just all the Bible studies that are taking place, individual Bible studies, Lord, stir us up. We ask that for our co-church plant that we just did back in the fall at OU, H2O, Athens. We're so thankful for them. Hallelujah. We're also thanking for our partner and surrounding churches in the Dayton uh, area and throughout the world. Mm. And God, we ask that you would bring revival. You would bring your revival here in our land and around the world, that your kingdom come, your dream would come true. Lord, we also want to lift up our persecuted brothers and sisters uh, around the world today, comfort them and strengthen them as they share and live out the gospel because you're worthy. Hallelujah. Lord, we pray all these things. Your people pray these things and we ask these things in the mightiest name above all names, your son, our savior. Everybody said... Amen. We're going we're gonna to talk a little bit. It's going to be good. All right. Go ahead. Turn to your neighbor. Turn to your neighbor and say, before God formed you in the womb, he knew you. All right. Now turn to your other neighbor and say, before you were born, he set you apart. Now turn back to your other neighbor and say, he appointed you as his person. To this, to this generation and to the nations. Oh man, do you feel that? Are you getting stirred up? Come on. Come on. There's just something about someone calling you out. You know, I could get by until someone calls me out. You were just called out. That was Jeremiah 1.5. Just spoke scripture over you. You've got purpose. You're here on this planet for a reason. 
And that reason is completely unfolded when you encounter the love of God. Mm, praise. All right, today we're talking about waking up and finding the lost coin. Praise. We've been going through the book of Luke since last semester, and we've been camping out lately in a space in the book of Luke where Jesus is sharing a lot about his heart, his kingdom, and the gift of what it is through parables. I love the parables of the word. I believe these verses are not coincidence, but a calling right now. We're at where we're at as a church because God is specifically saying something to his church. Not something he's always been saying, but he is highlighting it. And as I'm talking to people in our house churches, they are going deep with these parables. They're being wrecked. They're being impacted and saying, wow, this is what it means. Holy Spirit's doing a great job at teaching us in these places. And I believe that there's an anointing of somewhat, maybe a mantle that is falling on our church and the church at large. And it's really an invitation to wake up, to mature and to encounter God in such an eternal, amazing way that it's going to make headlines in the eternal hall of faith for those that grab hold of it and go after it. Because the kingdom of God is taken by forceful advance. Your identity, anything in life, come on, you got to go after it. You got to go after it. Mm. Everybody say grit. grit. I, that's not everybody. Everybody say grit. grit. I, I need to hear, I said, oh, you got some grit. Let me hear grit. grit. There we go. Man, come on, we're waking up. So what is an anointing? It is the consecration. I don't want to use just Christian jargon here. This is anointing, the consecration of something or someone. It is official calling of a person to do an important job. It's also the rubbing of oil all over something. Hmm, there might be something to that. What is a mantle? If you take on the mantle of something such as a profession or an important job, you take on the responsibilities and duty duties which must be fulfilled by anyone who has that professional job. You see, the anointing and mantle that I'm talking about stems out of Luke 15. So if you want to open up your Bibles today to Luke 15, we're going there. Lena already took charge on that, man. Our worship warriors, weren't they awesome this morning? Hallelujah. Man, they're pressing in. They're going right before us, and there's already walls being torn down. Praise God. So while you're turning up, uh, open up your Bibles to Luke 15, I want to share with you that this is a mantle of gritty determination that comes from a radical surrender and life-changing encounter with Jesus. I'm talking about a radical, life-changing encounter with Jesus. I can hear about Jesus, but that doesn't mean my life is going to change. I need to encounter him, really grasp the depth of his love, and that's not going to happen until I realize the depth of my brokenness. I need God. Mm. It is a burden. You see, this radical surrender and life-changing encounter is going to create this burden of love we get when we encounter Jesus to seek and save the lost. You see, when I first got saved, I loved God. I loved reading his word. I, I was a young man by the time I finished reading the whole Bible. And I started reading Greek and Hebrew by the time I was 13, studying on my own, going after it. I loved knowledge. I loved a lot of knowledge. And all I got was more and more critical of the church, more and more critical of life, other people. And I'm like, God, I'm reading through the Bible. How, how is it that you just don't fry us all? We all deserve it. I'm entitled to nothing. 
And yet you offer me this relationship with you. Man, it'll change your life. And so all of a sudden I saw God for who he was, but I knew of his love and I accepted his love. And I was doing the Christian thing. It's called cultural Christian. I'm just rolling through life doing my thing still. What Jesus is saying, I gave my all to be in this relationship. What does it look like for you to be in a relationship? I was too young to understand what it meant to be in a mature relationship. Until this moment, I said, God, I'm reading this and I'm feeling this. Is this the pinnacle of going to church? Is this the pinnacle of knowing you? It still feels so empty and shallow. What am I missing? He says, obedience, son. Obedience. Well, when I'm, not, I'm going to church, I'm tired. I'm, I mean, I mowed lawns, a baby said. I mean, I was, I was hustling at 13, hallelujah. I mean, working construction, it was, it was crazy. And so what is God calling, calling me to? To listen to him, to spend time with him. And I knew spending time with him would push me to a certain place, and it did. You see, I woke up one day, I said, I can't know you, God, unless I'm burdened for people. I, I hated people at the time. I experienced the worst of the worst in people. I experienced the worst and worst in church. And I really hated people. I said, God, I can't go any further unless you give me a, a way to see people the way you see people. Because if I can't stand what's going on in this world, I don't know how you do it. I need to see people the way you see people. And he invited me into a place that's burdened. For people to see and he sees every one of us as in a unique way of like this is what you are in me and he shared that with me and now I get to see everybody that way but anyways there's this burden and ever since then it's like God I'm still not burdened enough I remember crying out for years Lord I still haven't cried for the lost I still haven't wept for the lost and now I'm weeping for the lost now it's like Lord I still haven't swept blood for the lost, I know that's a little extreme, but I'm looking at Jesus like, man, I wanna share your burden in those around me that don't know you. We're gonna talk a little bit about that today. Let's look in Luke 15, verse one, hallelujah. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathered around to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, <laughs> muttered, come on. This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep till he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. And he calls to his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over the one sinner who repents and over the 99 righteous than over the 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I will tell you that there is rejoicing in the presence of angels and of God over the one sinner who repents. You see, there's a clear, gritty determination here in these two individuals that Jesus shared, talks about. Jesus, being the word of God, who was with God and was God from 
Heaven came from heaven to earth and from the hardships of hardships of earth to the giving of his life on the cursed cross. From the cross to the grave as an acceptable payment for the sins of all men. And then from the conquered grave to the resurrected, restored life for him and all those who would follow him. This is modeling gritty determination to go after the one. Story after story, Jesus models this in the birth, life, death, and resurrection of his life. This is what it looks like all throughout the Old Testament. God going after the one that will turn. Man. I don't know about you, but I feel tired all the time. Even when I hear some of this stuff, it's just like, oh, this weight of tiredness comes on me. And I, I've got a dozen reasons. I'm in a lot of pain all the time. I'm a disabled vet. I work a crazy amount of hours. I have a family. The list goes on and on. But I'm going to be real honest with you. It's hard to care about anyone else sometimes in my life. Sometimes I just want to curl up in a hole, just do what I want to do, throw a little bit of fit. Especially when you're just too through. What do you do? What do you do? What do you do during these times? Jesus said something pretty out there, and I think it'll challenge a lot of us if we really take his words at face value. And it says, I think, um, and I think sometimes Christians are like, this is a one time, one and done thing. When I say, God, I love you. I accept you as being the one who died for me on the cross. My savior, thank you so much. Peace. You know, like I'll keep doing my thing and I get you to go with me. But he said something pretty crazy and out there. He says, die to yourself daily. Die to yourself daily. Hmm. That doesn't sound uh, as appealing. What do I mean here? I can't just say I love God and go on my happy, merrily way and do things when it's convenient or the best or best like it fits best in my timetable. Because what that is, let's just call it for what it is. That's called rebellion. That's what that is. And I need Jesus daily. He's my reason in getting up. He's my joy in what I'm doing. He is the ability to do what I've been called to do. He is my all without him. If I'm not spending time with him, I don't think about what burdens his heart. I don't think about establishing his kingdom first. And I totally miss it or totally forget it. One of the two that Matthew 6, says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. You want to do a good Bible study? Just sit down with a bunch of friends and talk about the three letter word called all in your life. What's all? What's all mean? Is it your future? Is it your spouse? Is it your job? What's all right now for you as a young man or woman of God? Hmm. How many of us would get really honest today and say, I seek first in establishing my needs, my wants, and my desires. My kingdom first. And if it fits into my agenda or decor, let's see if the kingdom of God can expand. And when I say decor, you know, we all love to wear the shirts. We all love the little signs in the house. You know, we all love the Instagram decor, all that stuff. It says, I'm a Christian, but are we a Christian on mission? You see that cultural Christianity can creep back in. Are we looking like imitators of Christ? When we sing this song, oh, the reckless love of God, it speaks to us. We're like, I can't believe 
You'd go after the one. You'd fight for the one. Light it up, tear it down the walls, all that stuff. I'm more about memorizing lyrics, but you know what I'm saying. It, it's like, it's like, wow, God, you did that for us. But then, well, if you sing this song again, I want you to say, wow, is this to look like my life for people? Because if, if it doesn't, then are you bearing the image of Christ wherever you go? Are you going after the one lost yet with the good shepherd? This is a remnant of rebellion in our life. It's not that we're not saved, it's just a remnant. But God is calling us to such a day, such a time, and such a purpose. And I really believe this is a season God wants to kick it out of our lives. He wants to give the joy of a fully surrendered heart to all of us this morning. There is joy in a fully surrendered heart. All of a sudden, I don't have to figure out my life and my plans. I just have to figure out what do you want me to do today? And I'm telling you what, I've been doing this since I was a young man. I've been all over the world. People say I've lived a life of three lifetimes. I'm just blessed out of, I can't, I, and I can't take any credit for it. It's just day by day, this simple man saying yes to God. Yes to God. Where will saying yes to God take you? Is it the life you truly long for? So let's get into some spiritual warfare today. Amen? Amen. Yeah, come on. Get excited. Hallelujah. And, and before we dive too deep, for any guests here that are, are still seeking God, um, maybe um, just really figuring out what God is all about, I want to give you some context of what we're talking today about. See, I want to clarify some things here. When we give our life to God, it is because for the first time ever in our lives, we see how incredible God is. God, who made the heavens and the earth, wants a relationship with us right now, a personal relationship that you could have right now. And he made us for that. It says that the word says we were made to have a relationship with him. Can you imagine having a relationship with the one who created the heavens and the earth? This is awesome. And it's not like you pray and you don't get a response. You get an interactive relationship with God. And things that you tried your whole life to overcome everything, just all of a sudden you get victory because you're in relationship with him. This is what I'm talking about. Then we begin to really see God is loving us in the state of something unique, a state of complete rebellion. Every human being literally enemies of his. And yet he loves us. We didn't do anything to deserve his love. We didn't do anything to deserve a relationship with him. And yet he pursued us and he loved us. He steps down from heaven to earth to restore that relationship. Hallelujah. With him by taking our place for the consequences of being in complete rebellion to him. I have never heard of a love like this in any history. From any other leader. Sheesh, I've never even experienced this love from my own parents or my spouse. This is a love way beyond humanity. And there are fictional writers after fictional writers that don't even believe in God and say that there's no other story. No, like nobody can even come up with this time frame, this unfolding of the word of God. There's nothing else like it. It's a new love. And Jesus introduced more of it than anybody else in history. 
He loves unconditionally and he invites us into a relationship. And when we realize that this free gift has a purpose to be in relationship and part of a kingdom family that's on mission, each man and woman in here that is following God will tell you, where else can we go? Where else can we find life, hope, peace, joy, purpose? In all the things that call me to an eternity with these things, where else can I find it? Is there anyone who makes sense of my broken life and whose truth has, whose truth, God's truth has provided all for us? There's no questions or doubt other than did Adam have a belly button? You know what I'm saying? Like there's still some mystery there, but God's not trying to be a God to hide. He's really wanting his people to understand. It's so clear. No other relationship in life expects anything less than commitment. You didn't earn this relationship, but it is a relationship and relationships require commitment, right? Any relationship. And so that's what I'm talking about in context for anybody who's wondering what we're talking about today as we press in into this walk with God. So when we continue to build up our own kingdom instead of God's kingdom, we're prioritizing our own agenda. We're really saying, Jesus, I love you, but I'm exhausted and distracted after serving my own purposes. And the sad thing is, is we don't always do it on purpose. Sometimes I love in a way that's harmful, right? I need someone to hold me accountable. I'm like, Ortega, did you really talk to your spouse that way? Ortega, you get, man, you just, I mean, Carrie gets on me like, I'm the kids, you know, you got to be a little bit more loving, all that stuff, right? I need somebody. I got to have people speaking in my life. Today, Christian brothers and sisters, I'm not saying that you're not saved if you haven't been doing this. Because the enemy's about to get in here and try to say, oh, you're not saved. Oh, you're not enough. You haven't done this. Oh, what am I doing? Oh, I have the worst faith. All that. No, you know what? Those are all lies right now. We just rebuke the enemy from speaking any lies during this time. Because I'm going to point out some things and I want you to beat yourself up and be like, oh, I'm the worst Christian in life. Like, oh, I guess I don't have a relationship. No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying you have a relationship with God and there's going to be some conviction and there's going to be some inspiration to go deeper today. And it's worth fighting for. Second Corinthians seven ten. I just declare this over this time for the kind of sorrow and conviction God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. There's no regret for that kind of sorrow, but worldly sorrow, the kind which beats you up and tells you're not good enough. Get out of here. Go sulk somewhere. Go isolate. Talk about an enemy tactic tactic. It lacks repentance results in spiritual death. Today, God is calling you closer to him, not further from him. Adam and Eve hid in the garden when they were naked ashamed. Peter, who denied Christ three times, is running out of the boat, swimming towards God before the boat even reaches the shore after he denied Jesus three times on the, while he was going to the cross. And then after he raised from the dead, he's running to him. He's not hiding from him. This is not a moment to be ashamed. This is a moment to be stirred, to want to go deeper. This is a moment to want to get close to God, to experience that surrendered heart. Now, I want to look at two things that might be hindering, or a couple things that might be hindering us from experiencing a surrendered heart in a relationship. Those that with the packets that I gave out, can you start passing those out right now, please? We're going to do a little workshop today, and I want to work, walk through um, phases of strengthening our relationship with God 
to, to experience the surrendered heart. And this is a tool we use from the Kingdom Culture Manual. Uh, it's from the CR, uh, Circuit Riders. And it's to identify any rebellion in our own lives, to uproot it so we can encounter God on a deeper level today. Does anybody want to encounter God on a deeper level today? Yeah. yeah? Oh, man, come on. We're excited already. I hear that. Come on. That's what I'm talking about. I'm excited. Someone gives me a chance to go on a date night with my babelicious babe. I'm like, yes, come on. Let's go. Let's go deeper. Praise God. Somebody gives me an opportunity to hang out with my brothers, like building that relationship and that arm, like one-on-one, that camaraderie. I'm like, thank you. Thank you for allowing this time, babe, man, to hang out with my brothers. Anytime we could go deep in a relationship, it should be exciting with anybody. But more than anybody else, God. Amen? Amen. 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 That's my man right there. I heard that. All right. So... If there's any doubt on where we're going today, I just want to blow it out of the water with some scripture here. So you really say, man, God, I need you. If you haven't gotten to that point today, I just want to throw some scripture out there that will kind of lead and guide us because that's what the scripture does. Jeremiah 17, 9 says this, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? I want you to remember that your heart is a deceitful heart. It's wicked. God, God is the only one who understands it. No man can understand it. You don't even understand it. If you think you understand it, there's going to be a humble pie eventually being baked right now. And it's going to be like, wow, that that will be the day. Revelation. Hallelujah. Let's go a little deeper. Proverbs 14, 12. You can write this down. There is a path before each person that seems right, but it ends to death. How many people out there has invested into time, relationships, events, sports, things that actually led to a dead end? You're like, wow, that was a season in my life that went nowhere. Mm, Yeah, me too. Yeah, I got both hands raised. All right. Like, wow, God, can you actually redeem that time and give it purpose? All right. Grand scheme in life. We don't know what we're doing. And those that do think they know what they're doing, and I've talked to a lot of guys that reach the top, and when they reach the top, they're like, what's it all about now? Men that you, men that I, I thought, you do, you have it all, who was ready to commit suicide because they're like, I've, I've reached it and I've searched all these things and tried, there's still no meaning and I'm exhausted from looking for meaning and purpose. If you're putting your trust in your career, if you're putting your trust in yourself, it's going to sorely let you down and it's going to wind up in death. Joel 2.13 says this, don't tear your clothing in grief, but tear your hearts instead. Return to the Lord your God, for he is merciful and compassionate, slow to anger and be filled and is filled with unfailing love. He is eager to relent and not punish he wants you to come. If you haven't read the parable, the, the, the son, the, um, the prodigal son in Luke 15, go read that. We didn't read it today, but man, that's a perfect picture of God's love in this. I heard this testimony from Carrie's grandfather, Grandpa Bill, Reverend Bill. He's been a pastor all of his life. And he, uh, he tells this story about a, a, a gentleman who came to the altar wanting to give like, oh, it was just a call to repentance, right? A call to give your heart back to God. And he comes and lays down his cigarettes at the altar. Grandpa said, what, what's this for? He says, I'm giving my cigarettes to the Lord. Well, that's a nice gesture, but you could have them back. Grandpa says that. He says, what? 
It's like, God is not asking for your cigarettes. He's asking for your heart. We always want to give God things. We always want to go for the sacrifice, but still retain control over our heart. God's asking for the heart, you guys. When he has your heart, that'll be easy to give up. Keep smoking until you encounter a love that's greater than the desire to smoke. I'm not even saying that's a sin. I'm just saying, like, if God's telling you to stop that, right? There's something about us wanting just to do that stuff. Oh, let me do that for you. Let me build this for you. Let me do all these things for you. But retain being Lord over my heart. Hmm. Galatians 5, 16, 17. But I say, walk by the spirit and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the flesh sets the desire against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another. So you may not do the things you please. If you recognize you're building more of your kingdom than God's kingdom, that means you're starving your spirit man right now and just totally viva Las Vegas for your flesh right now. Even though we're not in Vegas, but it's having a good time. We need to wake up, you guys. This is a season to care about searching for the lost coin. This is a season for searching for the lost coin. If my babelicious babe of a wife was burdened in looking for something so close in value to her, and I sat on the couch and just like, how's it going, baby? And then I went to work and came back. You're still looking for that coin? Started playing a video game for maybe a couple hours. I'll pray that you find that coin. And then maybe my video game is like, oh, shoot, I got, I got to, before I go to bed, I got to wrap up that last season of the book of Boba Fett. You know, I mean, I got to get that, but keep it up. You will find that lost coin. If somebody looked on the outside looking in, they might be like, ah, you're her husband. That sucks for her. You don't even care about her searching for something so valuable and precious? What about just friend? If I came in and a friend of yours, supposedly a friend of yours, was searching for something, value, lost something, sweeping, turning the whole house upside down for it, and you were just like, yeah, they lost that. Yeah, it's a bummer. Or, or you're, are you his friend or not? Like, why aren't you helping out? Just in friendship. This is relationship 101. You guys, are we convicted yet? Are we ready to go here? Did we not commit to being in a relationship with God? This relationship was a free gift, but when you embraced it, you find it has meaning, great, awesome purpose, and an invitation to be a part of a family and soon to be celebration. And if this is not for you, like the prodigal son, you could take it all, enjoy the freedom, walk away from God and say yeah you could have your inheritance right now and then come to house church next week and read about the parable of Lazarus and the beggar and see what it looks like to enjoy your inheritance now versus then it's a wake up call Jesus is very clear this is spiritual warfare you guys we want to fight for a surrendered heart today we want to fight and be held accountable the rest of our life. So let's fight to have gritty determination this morning. To fight in sharing a burden for the lost with God. To fight for your generation. To fight to see kingdom of God advance. One of the tools that God gave us in this fight is called repentance. And it's a joyful thing. Hallelujah. This ain't, 
you know, something where you're whipping your back or beating your head on a board or anything like that. This is something called joyful repentance. And we're going to recognize what we need to recognize and repent today. And this packet's for you, so praise. Hallelujah. Go ahead, open your packet, page 47. Um, I think it starts on 47 for you, actually. So let's talk about rebellion. Phase one. Well, let's just recognize rebellion. And in uh, 1 Samuel 15, 22 through 23, you've got a, a passage there. And it, it talks about rebellion in this passage. And we see rebellion all the, all the way up to, the, like, through the Bible up to this point, starting in the garden. But really begins to define rebellion for what it is. And it says rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. You see, witchcraft has this, takes on this demeanor of taking the power from one, one place, which our trusted place should be trusting the Lord and his power, and then taking whatever we can and distort it and manipulating it for our own good. And it will lead to death one day. That's truth. And so it says it's, when you rebel, it's like taking God's power and twisting it to your own means, your own justification, and using that freedom and that power for your own will. And what it does is it creates a stubbornness, and stubbornness goes right along with rebellion, is as iniquity. Iniquity, see, iniquity is this burden we bear, because stubbornness hardens your heart. If you want to look at that, look at the story of when Moses was in Egypt and God delivered them. And Pharaoh's heart had all these opportunities in this story to turn and let the people of God go. And God graciously led up one thing to another. And like, you're still not listening. But it says Pharaoh's heart hardened. He bore a burden. You see, we're not supposed to be in charge of our lives. We're supposed to lean on God. We're supposed to trust in him and not in our own ways. But when we start trusting in us, or other things, we begin to harden our hearts and it gets heavy. Have you ever taken something and, 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 well, just petrified, you know? Like I've taken a piece of petrified wood and it's a whole lot heavier, a little chunk of petrified wood is heavier than a regular piece of little wood from a tree. It's heavier, it's a stone now. You're bearing that weight through life and you're not meant to do that. And then the last thing is, is idolatry. So stubbornness as is iniquity and idolatry. So when you trust in something else other than God, it turns it into an idol. Either I trust in myself or I trust in anything can be an idol. So let's identify rebellion. In this phase, people are stuck in a cycle of sin that they are currently unwilling to break. To be in rebellion is to live in opposition to the authority and word of God. Rebellion is a condition of either open or subtle hostility and or disobedience towards God. James 4.46 says, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Let's just stick rebellion in there just so you have a clear picture. Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world, establish their world, you know, all this stuff, becomes an enemy a rebel, complete, an enemy who's in rebellion against God. This is what Satan did. His kingdom was founded on rebellion and it wars against the kingdom of God. When Christians live in rebellion, they're in agreement with Satan in his opposition to Jesus. That's just how it is. But when we look at Jesus in opposition, here he is and he followed all times the Father's directions, the directions, will, and authority. 
Even in near death, Jesus was heard saying, not my will, but your will be done. Right? Rebellion. All right, let's look at this. Express itself. Speech that's critical in those to author in authority. A person's life being ruled. It's right here in the little thing, you know, the little circles. A person's life being ruled by their own opinions and convictions. Anger as a result of not reserving, uh, receiving deserved treatment. Relationships that lack depth. Significant relationships marked by control, manipulation, and power struggles. I don't want to rush by that word control. Really, really look at that. Marked by control. Division and manipulation. Blaming everyone else for a lack of fruit when it's the real issue is rebellion. Caring for only oneself, not for the benefit of others. Passive resistance to particular people in authority or in any establishment of authority or authority structure. Thoughts or efforts to discredit those in authority. Here are some common fruits. I'm not going to read all of them, but a loss and ruin. Because the enemy's here to kill, steal, and destroy something. So if you're going to walk in his kingdom, you're allowing him to kill, steal, and destroy things. So you're loss and ruin. Broken families and relationships. Again, kill, steal, and destroy. Immaturity. Strongholds of sin still fully in place. Rewarding themselves out of patience, basically seizing opportunities for yourself before it's time. Next page. The following characteristics typically mark a person who is living in rebellion. I'm just going to highlight these couple ones. The function, they function in confusion. You see, God is not a God of confusion. He makes it really clear. This is how, how we were made. This is how we became broken. This is how it's a clear path to being in relationship, restored with him, and eternity. He makes it super clear, but because of our rebellion, it, it, it's not easy. All right? But they function in confusion. They may state repeatedly that they are confused when others are able to hear the same information clearly and move forward in obedience. But they don't. Many instances, they believe their circumstances are different from everyone else's, that the truth of God's uh, word does not apply to them in the same way. Mm. Number two, they have disregarded previous instruction. Well, of course, you're going to disregard previous instruction. If you feel like you don't understand it or it's not for you, you're going to be like, well, why, is it, why, why should I do it? I know, I know I'm going to this community, this body, this church, and God is leading everybody there to do this, all this stuff, and that's the direction God's going, but this ain't for me. I hear a lot of people complain about their pastors. I'm like, why, why are you going to church? That's your leader, man. Don't complain about your pastor. Pray for him. He's showing you tons of grace. Please show him some grace. But see the words and the language that starts coming up when we begin to rebel? They ignore repeated counsel from credible sources. There is minimal application of truth in their life. I have a lot of people that like to talk about their issues, but they don't want to hear anything. And they especially don't want to hear me say, well, have you practiced this? Have you put in? Oh, that sounds good, Pastor Ortega. Hmm. The word rebellion often appears in the Bible conjunction with words listed with stubborn, hurt, refuse, transgression, scorn, sin, test, disobedient, reject these things. Moving out of a rebellious phase requires true repentance with accompanying honest changes to the heart. Evident through actions. Everybody say actions. Actions. Say, I'm a person of action. I'm a person of action. Yes, you are. You are a person of action. That's right. You're not passive. Yeah, man, this generation, they're go-getters. Sheesh. 
They're doing more stuff on, with things that I, I couldn't even imagine. I'm like, how are you being even this creative? You are people of action. If we recognize that we're living rebellion, help is available. You don't have to do this alone. In fact, you're not called to do it alone. Let's get with somebody and do this together. Right now we're doing this together. But it is vital for us to understand that moving out of rebellion requires a very sober approach to life. This isn't just a one and done thing like, oh, I can change. No, you can't. You need someone to hold you accountable for what God's doing in your life. And with God, the power of God, you can overcome it because you're an overcomer. Let's identify the second thing. Identify entitlement. Everybody say entitlement. entitlement. Oh, man, that just hurt as an American. Right? You know, I just, we're, we're entitled, you guys. That's, that's part of our culture. Whoa, we're entitled. These individuals have had breakthrough in the area of rebellion. Certain areas of their lives are submitted to Jesus. And they have even denied themselves old sin patterns. They've worked to remove overt rebellion from their lives, but progress is slow. And they are still unwilling to submit in many areas. They pick and choose in which areas they will obey God. Ooh. They still live with many entitlements and they look at the cost of following Jesus and are unwilling to give up certain aspects of life to Christ. All right, let's talk about this. Jesus says this in Matthew 10, 38 through 9, says he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it. So if you're trying to find your life and you're trying to make it happen, you're going to lose it. But he who loses his life yields, surrenders his heart to God for his sake will find life, will find all those things. It's guaranteed for to be cared. And then Romans 8, 6 says this, to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Amen. You guys, entitlement always stops our growth. And when we hang on to entitlement, we're telling the Lord, I want to go the slow way. I want to choose the 20-year growth plan here on this earth. I'm just going to drag along so I can kind of enjoy what I'm doing versus running all in. And gritty determination. God, come and break us this morning. It's at the core that entitlements are another form of rebellion. And the Lord desires to build endurance and self-control in our lives that we can enter into our destiny and purpose. But if we're bailing it and taking entitlements, it's going to quench that. In fact, here are some basic entitlements that will drag our process. They slow down our process and our growth for decades. One of those things that says, I have the right to say no to God. Oh, I mean, you, you can. But if you just gave your life and you're like, wow, God, you bought me with a purpose. You did all this stuff. I'm yours. I'm fully yours. Even in marriage vows, I say, you, you tell people like the person's body, everything is theirs fully. You fully surrender to one another. You yield to one another. There's a covenant of intimacy here. And it's like, whoa, I'm not, I'm not giving up. Now, some people say, well, yeah, take some weird things out of their marriage covenant. Want to take, I'm like, why? Do you not trust the person? Now love the person. We don't want to challenge the Lord. We want to invite him. What about I grow best when everything I want is in order. If those things are absent, I can't grow. You guys have to have it together. We can't have young people leading out. There's going to be too many things wrong. 
I just can't be in that person's small group that are younger than me. Or I can't, can't do this because, you know, there's a hundred reasons why we say we can't do something. I don't have enough money. I'm not in the right place in life. I, I'm too young. I'm too old. It goes back and forth depending on what side of the grass you're on. I have the right to express my feelings, especially if I determine I have treated, I've been treated wrongly or rewarded inadequately. And I have the right to use my time in whatever way I choose. Oh, does that just hurt anybody right there? Oh, man. God's not saying you can't vent to him. David does it all through Psalms, but David goes right back to that place that he's anchored. Your God. God, I feel this way. I feel this way. I feel like I'm dying and surrounded. I feel like you've abandoned all this stuff. And then he comes like, but you've been faithful. Let me go back to truth. Because my feelings, they're horrible leaders. My feelings aren't truth. I need to lean on truth to where I'm going. My feelings help navigate there, here and there, you know, so I'm not fully beat up by the time I get there. But feelings, man, if you're going on your feelings, enjoy that roller coaster. What basic entitlement stunt? Everybody say stunt. Stunt. Or eliminate. Say eliminate. Eliminate. Yeah, so these are the basic entitlements that stunt or eliminate. I have the right to choose who I will talk to. How does that stunt or eliminate my growth? Think about that. Especially you introverts. I have the right to be critical. I need to have a position that is visible. When it comes to self-discipline, I choose when I reward myself. You guys, I've struggled with all these things. These are things I still go back. I'm like, Lord, I just need to joyfully repent of this. Because I am an introvert. And I remember the time, like, I've heard all people share. I'm just like, praise God, I'll pray for you. <laughs> that's amazing. And I just like to pull back. I'm that guy that's, you know, I like to do things in the back, behind the scenes. God's like, nah. When it says I give you a spirit of boldness... That's not just for the extroverts. It's for the introverts. On the other end of that, that coin is everybody who's an extrovert and loves being with people all the time. They're like, Lord, I love being around people. You call me to be around people, but I've called you to have alone time with me too. You see how it's, everybody struggles with their own things. It's hilarious. All right. Praise. Moving on. What characterizes the life of those living according to time, t- entitlement? You're characterized by these things typically. Refusal to change in a certain area of your life. I love, I talked to a young man when we first started doing collegiate church planting. I said, why are you still at a college church plant? What's the motivation? I've never heard this. I've never seen this. Why are you here? He's like, check it out. Some dude called me out on something I was doing. And I was really upset about it. He said, I had three options. I could go, first of all, and just leave the church and keep doing what I wanted to do. He's like, but I love God too much. So the second thing that came across my mind is I'm going to a church where I could just sit in a row and, and peace out and dip right after church. And, and nobody really knows me. I could say hi. And I could look like a great Christian and go home and keep doing my thing I was doing during the week. Or I could realize that this was hard for this person to say. And really it was God speaking to me through him. He says, I stuck around because I know nobody else would speak into my life this way at any other church any other family that he was around in that area. I'm not saying other churches don't do it like, you know, here, but I'm just saying like, what community are you into? And so when we start looking at this, it's like, who can speak into your life? Are you wanting that? The other thing, Jesus is seated on the throne, but seated right next to Jesus is the self pressing for its own way. 
Oh, Jesus, I like this, but what about my way? Oh, Jesus, this weekend I was doing this. Oh, Jesus, this is happening this Friday, but I had this thing going on this Friday. Can we just, you know, can we work something out? Hmm. And then third, the presence of rebellion ensnares self-deception. Remember that wicked heart? Remember those ways we're thinking are right ways? Searching for ways or people to reinforce negative behaviors or disobedience. Man, I could find that group. In fact, your AI on Facebook could find that group to align with you and your beliefs, right? You'll find somebody. Misery loves company. Hardening of the heart as we lose sight of God's holiness. Come on, we go from God is holy and I'm bowing down, I'm weeping, I'm convicted of my sin to buddy Jesus. <laughs> buddy Jesus. I'm going, he, he's, he's right here with me. Willingness to let others take the blame for shortcomings. So in this next section, we're going to like, like flint-like flint -like resolution to overcome these entitlements. And to do that, we're going to look at key places in page 51. So we're skipping a couple pages where we see 12 key entitlements that we're just going to talk about. That I really want you to begin like, Lord, is this a place that I feel entitled? Lord, is this a place where I'm rebelling? Is this a place that's stunting my growth? And maybe even more than stunting, it is completely annihilating my walk with you. Because David said this, Lord, help me stay on the straight and narrow path. I have a tendency to veer to the left or veer to the right. That's my heart's tendency. It's bent. It's broken. Keep me on this path. So here's, here's 12 things. It's just a tool. It's not a comprehensive list, but it's a good overview. First place is time. The entitlement of time, the right to control your circumstances and dictate when things happen. Hmm. Time's a big thing, you guys. Time is valuable. You can get away from me if you're not careful. But with the Lord, he'll seize the moment every time. Time is his gift, but it's a burden. It becomes a burden when you look back with all the regrets if you're not following him. Time allows us to make mistakes, but learn from mistakes with the Lord. Without the Lord, what I learn from my mistakes just makes more mistakes. It's funny how that works. Time. Comforts. Whew. Comforts. Man, it's hard. I'd, I'd say like, Lord, if I did a mission trip in Egypt, I'd really want a pool. You know, it's like it'd be hot there. Comfort. Will I be willing to go through the scorching desert? They are things that I want desperately, but do I necessarily need them? Need and want. Ask God. Comforts. Appearance. The appearance of entitlements are the rights to have to look a certain way. Once we physically look a certain way or have certain clothes, then we can move forward. God, I can't do this until I got this or I can rock this, you know, or Lord, it's more important for me to drive this vehicle Man, I've been praying for a new vehicle for a while, praise, but God keeps on saying my broken door vehicle is, is sufficient. I'm not here to impress anybody, and thank God my babylicious babe loves me just as I am. You know, like she, she ain't impressed by the rims right now. Hallelujah. It's one of those things, comforts, appearance, personal attention and recognition. At its root, this entitlement says, look at what I've done and pat me on the back. 
have a lot of people that will just walk away from their growth and their discipleship because they're being challenged to do something before they're put in leadership. They're like, I'm a leader though. I'm a leader. Look, look, I deserve to be there. And if I'm not, I'm peacing out. I need to be right up front or it's not for me. Man, God humbles the, the prideful. And what's that passage? Somebody give it to me. He exalts the humbled and humbles the exalted. Money. Oh, oh. We, how, many, how many words do we have for money in our language? We have a ton. It just shows you how much we care about money. How many words do we have for love in this language? I love my hot dog. I love my dog. I love my wife. I love my kids. I love driving. Love, love, love. Do we even care about this? God does. So money. You guys, money and time are one of the biggest things that we want control over. It's hard for us to give these things to God. Trust God with your finances and with your time. It's the two things that God says to fast like your Sabbath. When you take a Sabbath and you're like, I'm too busy to take a Sabbath, God. But when you pull back and take time to spend with God a day, doing what God's called you to do and just enjoying the Lord, friends with the Lord, all that stuff. And you're like, I'm too busy. You're saying, God, I trust you with my other responsibilities. This is important. This is just as important, not more important. He says the same thing with money. He says, trust me, it's the only place in the Bible he says you could actually test God is with your finances. I don't push giving here at H2O a lot. We have the joy box out there. It says joy because I want it to be a joy when you tithe, when you give to the Lord. I'm not desperate for your money. And God is definitely not. This is something for God to bless you. And anybody I've ever seen trusted God with even just the smallest amount and they gave it with joy, trusting God. God went over and above every time. Every time he's met their needs. Testify. Anybody, can you say amen? Can I get a, anybody who's experienced that, just say amen. Come on. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Money, you guys. Service. Picking and choosing whether or not to serve and where and how of service. Okay, thank God Peter didn't say, God, I'm not skilled or I don't have the skill set or I just don't think I'd best be good. This one's not the best place to serve the Jews. I'm kind of that rough fisherman guy. I'd be great with Gentiles. I'd tell a billion good jokes, you know? No, he left Peter right with the Jews to handle that. And then who did he send to the Gentiles? Paul, Paul, he sent the Paul to the Gentiles. A guy who would have been perfect for the Jews, break down everything, but he sent them to him to the Gentiles. Thank God, God doesn't, he, he doesn't, you're like, this is not where I need to serve. I can't learn the soundboard with Tyler. Sheesh, you know, like, that's not my thing. Even though it keeps coming up in my life, <laughs> it's not my thing. What's God doing in your life? What's he speaking to you about? Where are you going to serve? And all these flow, you guys. Time, comforts, appearance, personal attention, recognition, money. Let's go on the other side. I'm just going to talk, run through these a little bit on the quicker side. But inquiring of the Lord. Making decisions based on our own understanding rather than asking the Lord. Wow. Wow. Can we just pause? Man, that's just, let's just camp right there. I, I don't even know if I can move forward from inquiring of the Lord. 
Okay, here's the thing. This is why Saul, from that first passage that states that rebellion is like witchcraft, this is what the context. Saul is this guy that the people loved. He was cool. He was handsome. He was ripped. He was the GQ kind of guy. They made him king. And he's like, I got this. They went to battle. He's like, my men are here. We're equipped. We're ready to roll. We're taking these guys. And the man of God, Samuel at the time, he was running a little late. And so Saul's like, I'm on a schedule. This is my time. This is ready to roll. He went to battle without inquiring from the Lord and, and lean on God. Now, everybody in our culture would have said, he's king. He could do whatever he wants. He's king. It's his time. It's his army. It's his everything. But this is not what the man or woman of God says. The man or woman of God waits for God. Because anything else, when you're saying, oh, God, here, you, I'm going to pray for these things. But when it comes to these things, I know when, where, and how to do it. Mm. I know when, where, and how to do it. I hear a lot of people, Josh, can you pray for a job for me? I'll pray for a job. First job that comes by, I got the job. Did you pray and ask God if this was the job for you? No. I, I have a lot of, I have a good friend who does a collegiate church at Berkeley University in uh, California. He's got 2,000 uh, students there. It's, it's rocking, it's happening. He's like, he's like, check it out. I tell all my graduates they, to only take a nine to five job. And 90% of the graduates take a nine to five job. He says, if you can't live off of the nine to five job and lean on God for what you need to do, because here's what the nine to five job provides. It provides time in community, provides time with the Lord in the morning, provides time, time, time with your, eventually you'll be married, maybe, I hope, maybe. And so time with your spouse, all this stuff. Of course, you're gonna work a little later here and there and stuff like that, but he tells them to get a nine to five job. I'm like, wow, I can't be Am I that? Can I walk in that authority and tell my congregation to take the nine to five job? I can't, but God can if you ask him. Because here's the thing. You're going to take on a job. How does it benefit your time with the Lord? Maybe it's a great job. And you're like, as soon as you ask God, you're going to be like, wow, how does this contribute with my growth to the Lord? Do you want me to go here to be on mission? Do you want me to go here to stir up revival? What's this job for, God? And a lot of you have the freedom to even share the gospel at your job. Praise God. And a lot of you don't have freedom to do that. But here's the thing. When you, when you get down to it, you're not discipling at your job. You need time after work. I love sports. I love Greek life. I love all kinds of stuff. It's all great. The extracurricular activities. Man, let's go take a boxing class. Let's do it. But is it something that God wants you to do? And how is it contributing to that? Or maybe we know what we're doing best and we've never done anything where we just spent our time and it led to nothing. Energy and stamina. This is where I struggle. I had a monster and I'm still struggling. The entitlement is a refusal to obey the Lord if it falls outside of perceived physical or emotional limitations. So if the Lord asks us to do something when we're tired or sick, we automatically exempt ourselves from obedience. I've seen so many people go after search for a car when they have the flu. They go after all these things. Um, man, beat the 5,000 levels that they couldn't beat, you know, uh, while sick or whatever or just unable. And they're like, oh, I'll get to that, that thing that God wanted me to do afterwards. The text comes five days later after they recover versus texting somebody and saying, hey, I'm a little down, but I want to get up with you afterwards. I'm praying for you. 
What are we doing with our time? Perfection from others, read it. Selective obedience, man, that's a tough one. Emotions, but this is how I feel. Entitlement, I'm entitled to walk in alignment with my emotions. If I don't feel like this is right, it's all right to be divisive. It's all right to stir up things. I feel like I've been done so wrong. So I'm going to go tell the whole community how I'm hurt and talk against this person versus going after unity and reconciliation. Wow, that's from the enemy. Right? (laughs) And reward. Just read that. I know you guys were running on time here. Last part, you guys, this is where we're overcoming it with the four R's. Everybody say overcoming it. Overcoming. Overcoming it. Overcoming. Yeah. Okay, this is the phase where all known entitlements that you recognize here have been surrendered to Jesus. Individuals is, wait, where, where am I at? Um, this is the phase in the activity where we look at blind spots that hinder what God's uh, hinder the progress in obeying God. Because I want to obey God. I want to be right there. I want a surrendered heart. I want a time with God on my free time. I don't want to say because when I say I want to do this, I miss out time praying and spending with time with God. I miss time in community where I'm talking about God because when I get in community, I can talk about what I want or I can bring up that radical passage I heard about in church or my small group. I you know like. What are you going to choose in the moment? It could be a regular moment or an extraordinary moment. So let's repent today and say, God, I'm no longer entitled to do what I want to do, think what I want to think. I'm just going to surrender it all to you, trust you, and know that when I am, when you are finished with me, whoo, this is going to be a great adventure. But when you're finished with me, whoo, I get to celebrate with so many people. Celebrate with so many people. So everybody, we're going to do four R's. Say four R's. Write this down. Oh, wait, you already have a packet. It's on page 52. 52, repent. Everybody say repent. Repent. Receive. Receive. Rebuke. Rebuke. And replace. These are the four R's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Replace. Let's do that one more time. I cut you off. Replace. Replace. Okay, there we go. Okay, so these are four R's. You guys, this works in everything. Carrie and I use this in our marriage all the time. This is an awesome tool. We love it. We've been using it for over a decade. It's a blessing. So you guys are just going to repeat after me, and uh, we're going to do this together as Ohana. Now, if you need to go back and do this on your own or get with a brother or something like that, like I still really feel like I'm struggling with this or I want to talk about this and gain more understanding, I'll take you out to lunch. You know, we'll go out with a group of people. We'll talk about this together. I love to talk about this. But right now, we're going to do this corporately for whatever you've acknowledged that maybe it's rebellious or entitled in your life. So everybody say, Lord Jesus, I ask for your forgiveness for the sin of holding on to any entitlement. I repent of all the ways that I've allowed entitlement to be a part of my life. I repent of every way I have used it as an excuse to resist you, my Lord. I repent of any anger towards you and others when I felt this entitlement. I see how this has affected me and others around me. I name this entitlement as well as rebellion that rose up out of it. As sin, you laid down all your rights, Jesus. So I lay down my rights. Amen, amen, amen. Come on, everybody clap to the Lord. That's it. That forgiveness is there because Jesus died for you. That forgiveness is there. It's joyful because he loves you. That forgiveness is there because today's a new day and he wants you close to him on mission with him. All right, let's receive this uh, forgiveness because I could say, oh, I asked for forgiveness, but I'm going to beat myself up later on today. No, no, no. We're not going for that. Jesus, Jesus. I, now I now receive your forgiveness for the sin of holding on to this entitlement. 
I accept your offering of cleansing from this sin. And I agree with you. All right, one of my favorite parts here. Hallelujah. We're going to rebuke the enemy because there's an enemy out there. In Jesus' name. Come on, use your authority. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I rebuke every deceiving spirit. I rebuke every deceiving spirit. That will lie to me. That will lie to me. And say the Lord is not good. And say the Lord is not good. And not faithful towards me. And not faithful towards me. I rebuke every spirit. I rebuke every spirit. Of anger. Of anger. Resistance. Resistance. Self-pity. Self-pity. And false comfort. And false comfort. That has been given. That has been given. Ground Given ground. <laughs> By my holding on to this entitlement. And I rebuke you. I rebuke you. With the authority of Jesus Christ. With the authority of Jesus Christ. And I command you to flee in Jesus' name. And I command you to flee in Jesus' name. Come on, you guys, flex that. You feel that's going right there. There's authority in the name of Christ Jesus. There's sincere change. Hallelujah. Last thing, we're going to replace this with a great declaration. When we replace it, see, I can't tell you just stops doing something. That's not repentance. Stopping doing something, you'll go right back to doing it if you don't replace it. Repentance means you stop doing it, you turn around, and you go towards Jesus. You start doing what he wants you to do. You start thinking about what he wants you to think. You start dwelling on what he wants you to think. You start obeying versus trying to sacrifice your time. So we're going to replace this with some amazing declarations. And, uh, yeah, hallelujah. Say, I'm loved by God. Oh, come on. I got to hear it louder than that. I'm loved by God. I'm loved by God. Yes. He has rescued me. He has set me free. He has set me apart to be holy as he is holy. To love like he loves. To go after the lost like he goes after the lost. My foundational desires to please you, Jesus. My foundational desires to please you, Jesus. You who sits on the throne. You who sits on the throne. I will intentionally leave to please, live to please you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Mm, let's do this one last one. I remember the joy of discovering your love, God. You were burdened for me, and being a part of your family. And as one who loves and obeys you, God, I care about what you care about. And I will give all to find your lost coin. To go after the lost sheep. To celebrate your lost sons and daughters. Returning to the fold of your love and grace. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. I can't do this without you. I can't do this without you. Amen, amen, amen. We're closing close up. Can I get the band to come over here? Praise. I know this was a little long, you guys, today, but man, it was heavy on my heart. There's a guy out there named David Platt. He's an awesome brother. He, uh, man, uh, just very missional. He wrote a book called Radical. And he says this, we will not wish we had made more money, acquired more stuff, Live more comfortably, taken more vacations, watch more television, pursue greater retirement, or been more successful in the eyes of the world when we get to heaven. Instead, we will wish we had been given more of ourselves to living for the day when every nation, tribe, and people and language bow down before the throne room of God and sing praises to the Savior who delights in radical obedience and a God who deserves eternal worship. 
You're not gonna wish you watched one more show or played one more video game. You're not gonna wish you collected one more seashell on the beach. You're not gonna wish for this time that's going nowhere. Come on, let's seize the day. Let's embrace. Think about this, you guys, your identity. We love you. Be blessed and represent.